0: The Miami Voice is not a ministry of Calvary Chapel, North Miami, and the views from guests on the show may not necessarily align with my personal views or the biblical lifestyle views of Calvary Chapel, North Miami and Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. What's going on, family? Pastor Darren here. I'm so glad you're joining us with the Miami Voice. The Miami Voice seeks to raise the volume of unfiltered truth regarding our community for the sake of greater unity. We aim to remove and eradicate the hype and often sensationalized media stories to capture real raw content from real people that reside in our community of Miami Gardens. We'll discuss pressing issues such as racism, black on black crime, gun violence, what can the church do? What has the church already done? And possibly has the church failed? And so join us as we engage the community. Just a simple local pastor reaching from the church into the heart of the streets to hear real and raw content. We believe we can be the change we want to see, but it starts with the real truth. Hope you enjoy. I love you. Jesus loves you so much more. Welcome back, everybody, to the Miami Voice. We're super excited that you are logged into your favorite podcast. Well, I'm biased. I can't really say it's your favorite. You know what your favorite is. But hopefully, uh, the Miami Voice has become your favorite. I'm excited today because I've got an amazing guest on. And I'm always excited about our guests because I think they're all amazing. Uh, But this one in particular, I feel is going to push us toward action. A lot of what we've talked about over the course of this season uh, has been a lot of awareness, uh, but I really believe that today's guest is going to give us some insights into some ways that we can actually take action as a people here uh, in Miami, in the urban context uh, at large. But I want to read a excerpt from the book, Oneness Embraced by Tony Evans, uh, and and just bear with me because I think what Tony Evans expresses in this book really sets the stage, and it will set the floor for our guests to speak into uh, some of the things that we're going to address today so here it is it says this one of the primary purposes of biblical justice and social action should always be the creation of productivity that ultimately empowers that's the key word empowers people calling them to take personal responsibility in scripture charity was essentially an opportunity to work this is illustrated by the process of gleaning, which we touched on earlier, whereby the needy uh, or least fortunate could collect the overlooked, cast off and leftover grain that God's people were expected to leave behind from their harvest for the benefit of the poor. This is seen in Leviticus 19, Deuteronomy 24. Through taking responsibility, key word, responsibility, for being productive, people could turn poverty, I love this, into productivity. I'll say that again. People can turn poverty into productivity in response to the charitable opportunities provided by others. And so oftentimes if we look at this issue of social justice or civil unrest. Uh, we can easily take the position or disposition of the victim uh, and we never get out of the mentality of uh, being empowered. Um, I, I remember interviewing Andre, uh, Reginald Andre, and we talked about how he turned... Uh, a possible, what could have seemed to be oppression into an opportunity or an obstacle uh, into an opportunity. Uh, And so here's an opportunity today for us uh, to speak with uh, a gentleman who I believe will give us some tools for empowerment, uh, for taking responsibility for ourselves, uh, not taking the victim card, so to speak, but rising above our circumstances. Um, He goes by the name of Anthony L. Robinson. He is a Miami native Uh, He was born down here. He's got a voice for the the community. Uh, He graduated from Miami Norland High School. That's literally right down the street from my house. Um, He is a graduate from Savannah State and Athens State University with degrees in sociology and criminal justice. He's got 18 years, family, 18 years uh, in leadership roles for the Department of Labor Job Corps program. More in particular, he is from the Opportunities Industrialization Center, a.k.a. OIC, the South Florida branch. He's right here in Miami, making it happen, moving and shaking. Let's give a great welcome to Anthony Robinson. Brother, thank you for being on the show. We're so blessed that you are willing to provide for us your Miami voice.
1: Thank you, Pastor Bennett, and I look forward to it. Um, I look forward to this opportunity of just sharing a little bit of the knowledge that I have um, with, with, the, with your audience today. Um, to as much as given, much is required. And I tell my staff all the time, the little bit that I have, it is required acquired upon me to share that with those individuals that are out there in the community.
0: Well, uh, here's what I want to do. We're going to get into it, man. I want to break the ice a little bit in a little fun game I've been playing with uh, a lot of our guests. Uh, I'm going to share one word. I'm going to say one word. And within one second, I want you to respond with whatever is the first thing that comes to your mind, whatever's on your heart. Uh, Can you do that for us? Let's do it. All right, here we go. The first word is opportunity. To succeed. Responsibility.
1: choice equality we have to have it
0: empowerment
1: we all have it
0: underdog no one is Oh man, I love it. Great responses, man. Great responses. So do us a favor, help us to get to know you a little bit more. I shared your bio and it is indeed impressive. We know that uh, you've got a lot of experience and I failed to mention that you are a family man. You enjoy your family. And one of the things that really helps you thrive and you feel uh, a calling in a sense and is helping our youth help themselves. So talk to us a little bit about what you have been working on lately, what you're doing with OIC, uh, and then we'll get into some more in-depth questions uh, for our listening audience.
1: Well, see, as like I said, Pastor, I'm glad to be here. Um, I recently just moved back to Miami. Um, I spent the last five years up in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, running the job core program out there in Los Angeles, California. And um, it was an honor and a blessing to be able to come back home and continue to work that we're doing um, here in, uh, as it pertains to training our youth or training the individuals in order to help themselves. Uh, currently, we're working on, uh, there are about five different programs we're working on in the OIC of South Florida through our Workforce Development Division. Uh, we have two programs here in Miami-Dade County, um, where uh, an adult reentry program, where we're uh, working with adults um, that have been incarcerated uh, and been released within the last two years and providing them with career and educational training um, along with complete wraparound services so that they're able to be uh, um, eliminate those barriers um, that will prevent them from having long-term and sustainable um, employment. Mm. We also have a youth program that we work working with here in Miami um, that is doing actually the same thing, taking individuals between the ages of 18 and 24 um, and providing them that academic and career training so that they can then be able to Either get on the job, get in the job, get into the military, or be able to um, get into college and pursue a degree so that they can have a um, a career in that area that feel they want to work in. Also, um, OIC of South Florida not only serves Dade County, we serve Broward County right, also. Right, and we have a couple of programs that we're working in in Broward County that are um, doing those same things that we are doing here in day County. But more importantly, and what we're most excited about is just we just received a grant. I'm um, mm. here in Dade County, and it's called the um, Pathway Home Grant. Mm. And this grant is going to allow us to go inside the prisons here in South Florida and basically create a career one-shop center inside the prison. So just picture this. You know how individuals are. They come to the one-shop center, and they're able to get their complete wraparound services. Right. Um, they're able to um, get job training, have resources for job training, resources for a career uh, for a case manager, Um, They receive employability skills, um, going to earn an industry recognized certification, uh, going to be working on career, participating in a career readiness workshop, then have an employment specialist work with them um, to find a job in that area that they received their training. We're actually going to go into the prisons and serve 500 individuals Mm. um, in that capacity. Um, So we are very excited about that program. Uh, we're in our planning phase of that program, and we're going to be kicking that that off January first, twenty twenty one. Wow! And then for the next three years, we will be inside South Florida prisons, um, providing that service. So we're, we're super excited about that. We also just got another program that I'm excited about, um, and for a lot of that we're working on. And this program is um, young adult reentry partnership program where we're going to take individuals between the ages of 16 and 18 and 24, provide them with industry-recognized certification. But this is the catch to this one, and this one I'm really excited about. The individuals that are in this program, we're then going to enroll them into the community college mm. and then assist them in earning their co- earning their AA degree or certification that will allow them to be on the path for a long-term and sustainable job. That's so good. Um, as you see, the different programs that we we're talking about, it's all about as you said um in, in your t- earlier empowering individuals to be responsible giving them the resources so that they can be responsible um, it goes along with this on uh, that favorite quote i sent you earlier you teach a man if you give a man a fish he can eat for a day you teach a man to fish how to fish he can uh, eat for a lifetime but we got a little caveat we add to that if i him the opportunity to own the pond he can feed generations. right? And that's who we are and what we are looking to
0: do. Well, I was gonna ask you to drill down on that too. I I, I love that quote and I noticed the caveat that you added and I wanted to get into that a little bit. Uh, so you, you talked about obviously a myriad of, of tangible ways uh, that one could be empowered to take personal responsibility. But let's talk a little bit more about that, the ideology or the philosophical framework of teach a man to fish. Um, let me ask you this. Have you experienced that for yourself growing up uh, in in Miami, uh, going to school in, in a predominantly urban ethnic context? Uh, who was that person or persons uh, that empowered you? Because obviously you're in a position right now where you are empowering others. But typically in mentoring relationships, uh, it takes one to pour into the other and to simply say, hey man, here's what I see in you. Uh, and that. That sparks something inside somebody. I remember when it it sparked me when I had a mentor, um, and it wasn't from the church. It was a, a dude that was from the park. Who he's like the parks and recreations guy. Put on the lights, open the gates. But he said, hey, "Here's what I see in you. Uh, did you have that experience? Am I being presumptuous as to think that? Or you know, what was that like for you, growing up?" I
1: have. I've, I've had that experience, and I continue to have that experience. I'm wow. um, at 51 years old. I still have that experience. And um, I am so thankful and blessed that I have had that experience. So yeah, I mean, I grew up in the church, um, grew up my initial um, being raised right here in Brown Subs on 50th and 24th Street. Mm. Um, The community you know, embraced me as a a child. Um, You know, I had my mom, I had my dad, I had my grandparents. I I had a solid family um, surrounding me, but also I had that extended family, those individuals in the church. Um, those individuals um, at school, um, those teachers, my football coach, they, they empowered me and they taught me um, and, and prepared me for who I am today. I didn't see it growing up. Uh, I didn't see it until you know recently. Mm-hmm. But I look back on those days now and I'm so thankful um, that they did it. Um, um, one of the main people that, uh, that empowered me um, is my uncle. His name Harry Long. Um, and he um, was a businessman, and he, he showed me so much of, of how to carry myself, showed so much of how to um, give back, so much of how to um, just be that individual that individuals want to have around them because they appreciate who you are. After um, just going, my grandfather, my, um, Herbert Long, um, he was the individual with a sixth-grade education um, that taught me that if you – if you have it, you must be able to to show other people, you must give back uh, for what you have. Um, and with a sixth grade education, I would have never known he had a sixth grade education, uh, but he put his six kids through college and his first six grandkids through college. Um, and, and because he was just always willing to give back. Um, my father was a, an integral part of my life in um, the things that he didn't do right. That prepared me for the things that um, to make me be a better individual. Right. Um, I, I tell people all the time. I tell my young. I tell young people all the time. They have this phrase of saying, um, "We young, we, we got to learn from our mistakes." But I say, you know, you don't have to learn from the mistakes that other people learn. You know, make new mistakes and learn from those new mistakes. Wow. Um, because past mistakes have been made, and if you're going to go down that path of mistakes we've already made before, you're wasting time. So um, go down different paths. If you are going to make mistakes, make some new mistakes so that you can learn and be able to pass that on to individuals um, after you. And, and again, it goes back to that saying I said earlier, too much to be given, much is required. And that doesn't mean money or materialistic things. Um, that can be something as simple as time.
0: Right, right. You know, it's been said toward, toward your point, you know, if we don't learn from history, it's bound to repeat itself and so exactly. I, I think it makes ample sense and it's apropos to suggest no make new mistakes learn learn from the mistakes i've made you know you make some new mistakes um exactly. you know let let me blaze this trail and show you how not <laughs> you know you know, let, i don't want you to get hit from the same sh- scrubs i've got hit from uh and so exactly. that makes so much sense now speaking of your uncle you said who's helped you to learn how to carry yourself i you know we don't have this filmed so the people can't see you. Number 1, uh you don't look 51 years old at all. Uh two, oh, two, this man is a professional. You you for the for the listening audience, let me set the standard for you now. Uh, he's sitting here uh with a an amazing pinstripe shirt with an all white collar, Windsor spread collar, uh a a checker pattern tie, uh and he's got a vest on that's also pinstripe. So he is dapper, debonair, stately, qualitative uh and he looks the part uh and so listen family y'all need to come up with your, your dress code now you know you to dress for success <laughs> he is definitely the uh the epitome and the embodiment of uh you know presenting yourself well but but let let's dig in uh to another personal philosophy that you had mentioned uh as i was looking at your biography uh it said set your standards high and always shoot for the moon so if you miss you'll be hanging out with some of the stars. Now we know that as far as your dress code, that's a high standard, but help some of our listening audience understand a little bit about that philosophical framework. Set your standards high. So God forbid you miss, because oftentimes we do, but at least you'll be hanging with the stars. Talk about that. What's that look like? How does that play out tangibly?
1: And and, and, it's simple, Um, especially working with young people. Um, Our young people, or just our people in general, We are so resilient and have the tenacity to do any and everything. The reason, you know, society or it is perceived that we don't is because everyone has set our standards so high, Mm. It's so low. And we just reach those standards. Um, As I said, I worked at Job Corps for 18 years. I worked here in Miami. I worked in Jacksonville. I worked in Gainesville. And I took those talents and I went way across country to Los Angeles. And I've learned one thing about, one thing that was common about all the young people that I work with. Whatever standards you set, they've reached.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, kids, they, they, they may complain along the way, but if you said, we're going to the moon, all right, Ms. Robinson, you said we go on there, that's what we're going to do. And, and, as I, and as adults and as individuals who are responsible for raising, training, and preparing our young people for success, we have to understand that we need to set high standards. Right. The young people are going to reach you. They're going to do whatever you say do. Again, they may complain along the way, but they're committed to doing it, so they're going to do it. I just tell my staff and job corps, you know, they're like, well, the kids not coming say, well, they're not going nowhere. Mm. They came here because they want to be here. Our young people are looking are crying um, for help. Yeah. Um, yeah. I use this is another story. Like I gotta tell you so many people helped me in my life. My mom was a PE teacher. She taught at Norland Middle, uh, Middle School while I was in school at Norland Middle School. Mm. So picture that, um, I'm in school in seventh, eighth, ninth grade at Norland Middle School and my mom was a PE teacher who was known for writing the most referrals every day. Oh, wow. Um, she, every year she got a reward for writing the most referrals. So quite now I didn't have a whole lot of friends because my mom, the PE teacher, was holding people
0: accountable.
1: Yeah. Uh you're like, nah, Miss Robinson, we to just play piano, we to just be out playing football and basketball. She was like, no, nah, I'm holding y'all accountable. You didn't dress out, you're going to get it an yesterday. And and and, pay, and she would literally be coming to people going to my going to the students' houses, telling their parents, when well, your son didn't dress out today, he's on the verge of flunking P. E. And they were like, Tony, it's P. E. Why is your mama caring so much? <laughs> 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 it's just P. E. And to this day, so this is 30 years later, these individuals and all oh my friends now are telling me, man, we appreciate your mom. Your mom was the be- one of the best things that happened to us in school. And I was like, you can't be talking about the same lady 30 years ago. We were talking about 30 years ago, when you literally wanted to fight me. You, wanted- you were throwing rocks at me because of <laughs> what she was doing. You were like and the then, casualty so of we- a
0: war you didn't sign up for.
1: <laughs> exactly right, uh, but they're so thankful for that. But that was because she had a standard, and she was like, "Look here, the standard is you're going to dress out every day, regardless of what, what, what what's going on. We're going to dress out every day, right?" And she held each one of those individuals to those standards, and they didn't understand it at that time. But 30 years later, you know, they are some our You know, they are our, our lawyers. They are our doctors. One of the guys is a good friend of mine. We, we met up in Los Angeles, and he was the, uh, the provost at USC. Um, so it, it pays off it does. of what the, the work that we're doing. So if you set the standards high, the individuals are going to meet them. And if they don't reach that standard, you know, they, they, they may be one or two steps low, lower than the standard they met. Again, they're hanging with the stars. They, they still are so much further away, uh, ahead of what they would have been. Um, so um, I live by that, not just as I'm um, raise my kids, or not just as I'm educating individuals, but even with my staff, and letting my staff know that look, this is just, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, you know, and again, even they complain at times along the way, but uh, at the end of the day, they're so thankful because they see the results um, of of that effort.
0: And I think the key word there is motivation, uh, and also a phrase that I would I would use is. People follow vision. I mean, you set a vision in front of them; they're they're gonna follow it, or they're they're and they're more susceptible to follow it. I can remember growing up similarly. Uh, you know, my mentors, we would work out in the gym, and uh, there would be a standard that was set. You know, you don't you don't come back to the gym next Friday and do the same amount of reps that you did this Friday. You want to try to up it too, or or let's say you you're you're repping 135 pounds. You got one caddy on each side, and you rep that 10 well, next Friday, you want to be able to get back here and let, let's let put 150 on each side and see if you can rep that for six. Uh, and yeah. so it was always a constant pushing. Let's go further. Let's set the standard higher. Uh, but then even uh, as I grew older and I became a mentor uh, and a youth pastor, um, I remember as, as a youth pastor, one of the things that I grappled with uh, internally, but ultimately I reconciled in myself, when I'm teaching our students, I don't want to teach them at the level that they are. I wanna teach them at the level that I believe they can get to. So when I'm delivering content from the Bible, of course I'm making it applicable, I'm giving illustrations to captivate their attention, but I'm also trying to teach them to the level that I believe that they can get to because if I just keep them where they are, number one, I'm undermining their ability to intellectually understand where God would want them to go in terms of comprehending the word. And two, I'm not stretching them as a, as a, as a teacher, as a leader. Uh, and so, but I risk I risked maybe going over their heads sometimes with the intellectual thoughts. But I'd rather go over their heads and give them something to reach for than to just undercut them and undermine their intellect. And so, again,
1: it's, 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 it's another phrase um, I use often. Don't teach me to where I am. Like you said earlier, don't teach me to where I am, teach me where I can't be. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you teach me where I am, I'm just going to stay there. I, I'll get, okay, I'm good. But if I teach you to where you can be, now I am expanding who you are. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm opening up. I'm opening up more you so that you can grow.
0: Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and, and if
1: we don't do that, we will have um, generation. Our next generation of individuals would be at a low standards, and we know that uh again, as I said earlier, our people are so resilient. They have overcome so much. Yeah. Why are we putting limitations on them? Right. Uh, I used to tell my kids all the time. I say, "You know at Job. You don't been through the worst. Lord knows if I would have been through, what you would have been through, I'd I would have gave up. Right. <laughs> but you could because you were still here. It, it, it only is going to get better. Mm. So we have to motivate them. We have to show them the vision. We um, and not just show them the vision, but walk that vision with them. Um, Go down that path with them. Allow them to see that you're right there and they'll see that enjoyment and excitement. Right. You know, I share my life stories with them. You know, I've I've been, again, been blessed, but um, I know it's only by the grace of God I'm here. Because I know where I should be. Come on. (laughs) Or or where uh, I was headed. And um, he he has um, allowed me to see some things and I tell him thank you every day. Yeah. And I said, you took me down this path because you knew what my calling was. Um, actually, my uncle was a businessman. I wanted to be a businessman. And every time I tried to get in the world of business, something drew me back to working with young folks. Like, is that what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, and then um, 18 years ago on September 1st, I started working that job, Corps. and Two weeks after that, I knew this is where I need to be. Mm. Working in this space, workforce development, young folks, that's that space where I need to be. And, uh, and I've been loving it ever since.
0: You know I, I think that kind of feeds into the next question, and you, you really answered it, but i i, I just want to reemphasize what what is it that drives you man after eighteen years of doing this what when you get up in the morning and those feet hit the ground you look yourself in the mirror and you hit that door what is it what's what's driving you
1: the people we serving um I still cry right. eighteen years later, and we have a graduation, and I'm still dropping tears mm. Um, That's what it is. Um, Just serving, being able to serve individuals. I dress like I dress. I was raised that way. But I also want our young people, I want our our men, our boys who are becoming men, I want them to see, you know, it's cool to wear a shirt and tie.
0: Right, right, right.
1: What they see is who they will become. Right. And they see it and they realize, man, Rob's from a cool cat. And he wears a shirt and tie. He wears bow ties all the time. Right. And they see that. They get to understand that, wow, you can have a successful life with realistic people.
0: You could be cool you know, and still not, have some he, swagger. He's
1: not that individual, you know, that we just heard about or someone just talking about, you know, who they believe just was dropped out of the sky. Right. This was someone that was raised right here on Brown Subs, right here with us, with the Miami, New Orleans, made these and elves just like they did, made mistakes in life, um, but just by the grace of God and understanding, uh, okay, trying to make some changes, trying to do some things differently mm. and um, it, it happened. So,
0: yeah. So I got two more questions because I want to respect your time but, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, growing up in the church and, and of course, I'm a pastor here in, in Miami Gardens uh, and, you know, we really want to try to do our best to reach the community. One of the, uh, the, the, the vision statements of our church is reaching the community, changing our world. And so in doing in doing that, we really want to be intentional. Uh, have you experienced enough partnerships with churches uh, that have built a bridge into an organization such as yours or have partnered with you uh, to make sure that the individuals that we serve in the church uh, that may find themselves in the underdog type of mentality um, can actually be resourced and find themselves in a position uh, to be empowered, to take personal responsibility, um, or do you find that there's a null and void type of relationship? So I guess the question is, has the church reached out to OIC and have tried to figure out a way to build a bridge so that they can service the people that are in the community that, that could really benefit from OIC, or has there not been really anything at all?
1: There needs to be a a more stronger relationship. Gotcha. Um, they're, they're our church and I'm going to be just be candid with you.
0: you yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Please. Um,
1: a lot of times we are one is we chasing the same we chasing the same grants and the same resources. Mm. Um, and we want to be able to. Say, well, I got it. No, I got it. Um, I think we do need to make a have a more strategic approach as Approach, not just with the churches but with all of the other um, nonprofit uh, community or social service organizations mm-hmm. um, because of that. Um, we do we do. Uh, I work, we do we do work with churches um, a lot but again I think um, we, we do we need to sit down and be a lot more strategic in how uh, we are utilizing our resources uh, because I think we can reach a lot more of the people if we did that.
0: Well, um, I got I got
1: man, half man, your
0: I got half your staff in my in my in my back pocket now. So between <laughs> uh, between Adrina and and um, Whitney. yep Whitney, I, I know I know who to email, who to call. So if I if somebody <laughs> walks through these doors um, and they need to be resourced and empowered and and they want to take responsibility and let's just say they're down and out, uh, which leads me to my next and last question. But we definitely know who to contact. Um, so the last question, uh, as we close out our time is this, and I wanna kinda of throw this scenario at you um, so that it's, it's very well palpably felt from our listeners. So I'm down and out. I just, let's say, got out of prison. The, the, the system seems to be stacked against me based on just historical narratives. And I, I don't wanna find myself being sucked back into the lifestyle that got me placed in prison to begin with. I wanna take personal responsibility though I could be seen as the underdog, though I may easily fall to the victim mentality, I want to I wanna do better. You find me knocking down the doors of OIC. What do you tell me?
1: First, are going gonna tell you um, the uh, songwriter, um, Anthony Brown, uh, in group therapy, uh, wrote this song, Trust In Me. And it started off with, you did not create me to word. Mm. Uh, and I start start him off with that. Don't worry. Um, first, let that go. Because um, we're here to help you, and we're gonna be here to serve you, uh, and we're gonna provide you the opportunities so that you can be successful. Um, so I'm gonna make make them. I'm gonna do what I have to do to make them feel at ease with that first. Wow. Uh, and then we're gonna just bring in the resources. We're gonna actually show him to show him or her the resources. Uh, connect them with that case manager. Connect them with. Um, the staff that's going to um, work with him. Um, one of the things I truly believe in is that if, if your staff isn't believing in the vision and the mission, nothing um, nothing else we do will work. Um, so it's not just about me; it's about also having a staff that believes and understands the vision and mission of what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, then I'm going to bring that individual in, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to create a, um, a pl- we're going to do some assessments. So we're gonna assess them first and find out what are those barriers? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are those obstacles that are keeping you from um, accomplishing what you need to accomplish? Then we're gonna assign you a case manager and he he or she is gonna work with you to get through those barriers. Um, Then after that, we're gonna then um, get you into a career training program. Another assessment is gonna find out what your career pathways, what your interests are, your career interests. Um, and then we're going to develop a career pathway, a training career pathway to get you through there. Um, as I told you earlier, you know, we don't as we talked about earlier, we're gonna set our standards. So we um you may wanna you, you may feel or think the best you can do is a warehouse job. But we're gonna show you how that warehouse job is just entry level to get you into only your trucking company. Wow. And we're gonna take you down that 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 path. So it may start off with working in a warehouse may start off understanding how to work a forklift. Then that's gonna lead to um, you getting your certified logistics analysis um, certification. That's gonna lead to you getting uh, your CDL license. That's gonna lead to us finding your job um, as a truck driver. That's gonna lead to you um, now understanding you know, what it takes to be a, a truck, uh, a broker within that industry. Mm. That's gonna lead to the next level, to the next level, uh, which is gonna lead to, again, you how to provide you opportunity to own that pond so that you can feed you can feed generations of individuals. Uh, and that's what we're gonna do once the individual. and that's what we do. Wow. When the individual comes to the doors of OIC. Um, that's what we do. That's an example of how we do it. I mean that's something we're gonna do today. We're gonna do tomorrow we're gonna do next week. That's not something we're doing just for the time being it's who we are and it's who we are going to be from now on.
0: Well, there you have it folks, we promised, and I believe we've been able to deliver. We've taken you from awareness all season long to action, and you've just got some very real action steps. And so if you find yourself in that predicament that I just laid out, that illustration, uh, you know what you need to do and how it's gonna be addressed. Uh, Tell us, tell the listening audience, Mr. Robinson, how could one get in contact with you? Do you have any social media platforms? Uh, is there an email address uh, that one could uh, just simply reach out to you if they have any questions uh, and they just want to say thank you and appreciate the hard work that you're doing? How could they do that?
1: So um, you can reach me on my social media platforms. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Anthony Robinson. uh I'm on Facebook as Anthony Robinson. Uh, or you can just simply email me. Um, at the job at A Robinson at OICFFFL.org uh, and I look forward to you know answering. I do answer you know, on my social media um, platforms uh, and my emails. I do answer those also. Uh, so, if you want to reach out to me? Please feel free to um, do that also, or you can just reach us through our O I C website, and that is www. Um, and you can find out a lot more information about all of the services and work in the different platforms that we do um, throughout the organization. Um, our model there is helping people help themselves, and it is what we, we do. So uh, if you want help, you need help, you know someone who needs help, or you know somebody who think needs help, um, please you know, reach out to us and we will assist them in any way we can.
0: Brother, I truly look forward to a lucrative partnership with you as we build a pipeline from the church to you all. And I am grateful, thankful for your work, your mission, your dedication, your passion and your perseverance. 18 long years. And thank you, sir, for your Miami voice.
1: And thank you, Pastor Bennett, um, for this platform and this opportunity. And uh, we tell you and we wish you that you continue doing the work that you're doing. Because, again, we can't do this by ourselves. It takes a village, um, and you are a part of that village. And we uh, appreciate the work that you are doing and the efforts that you are doing to make sure that individuals know a programs and organizations organization services and resources that are out there and also what you're doing with your church family and touching the lives of the young people. So um, we appreciate you even more for what you are doing.
0: Brother, pray for me, and I'll pray for you, man. You take it easy, all right? right?
1: You do the same.
0: Okay, brother.